God has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Therefore, we must add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And if faith comes by hearing the word of God, then knowledge comes by being educated by way of the word of God. Who else is better to instruct you than a teacher? A teacher anointed by God is to dispense information for edification, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that you may be partakers of the divine nature of God's glory. We invite you to come learn with us as we journey through scripture so that he who has an ear can hear what the spirit through a teacher has to say. Welcome, beautiful people, to another episode of The Teaching Prophet. I am she. She is me, Tangela L. Clayton, the master teacher delivering lessons for the Lord. This podcast is one that takes you on a journey of learning through the scriptures so that we can add to our faith knowledge. Please feel free to subscribe, like, share, and or comment on today's episode. Also, if you would like to tip the teacher, visit our website at www.tangelallc.com. Again, that is www.tangelallc.com. Scroll down to the teacher section and click tip the teacher. You can also click the support link on whichever platform from which you're listening. Now that all that is out the way, I'm excited about this series that we've started. Um, It's just been a blessing to myself just to continue to learn because even though I'm a teacher, I am a student first and I love to learn. I love to gather information and synthesize it and, you know, just put it together and, you know, come up with a beautiful uh, product of knowledge. Like you say, like I said, we're going to add to our faith knowledge. And so with this series that we've entitled, Give Us a King, The Consequences of a Spiritual Canon, God is just continuing to speak concerning what he's saying because he's making a clarion call. I'm telling you guys, God is calling this meeting together. He is calling for us and, and some of us are just, you know, not listening. He's coming back for his church. And I'm talking about if he's coming back for you and I, and we don't have our stuff together, depart from him. That's what he's going to say. We're going to be like the foolish versions that didn't continue to keep our oil in our lamps. So we're going to continue this lesson. We are on lesson number four, titles and stature, positions in the church. This is part three. I'm going to try my best. To wrap it up, but again, God just continually keep giving me things. I was at the sink. I was at the sink earlier washing dishes, and He said, uh, "People are on that broad road to destruction, but yet they have all of these standards to be on this broad road." Because Matthew seven and thirteen, I believe it says, uh, "Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way to destruction, at least to destruction." And many go by that gate. Many go by that broad gate. Many go by there and many are going that way. But yet they want to tell you in order for you to be on that broad gate, be on that broad way, go through that broad gate, that wide gate that you have to be a certain way. (laughs) 
really? All these people out here, you want to put restrictions on me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, God just keeps showing me things concerning these lessons. So, we're going to keep going. Again, this is part three and maybe a part four. I don't know. Or we might get to wrap it a little up, wrap it up today. We're going to see. But let's remind everyone that is taking notes that we're dealing in three different categories according to 1 John 2 and 16 that says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Is of the world. So we're putting down the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And anything that we find that is in our life, and anything we're found that is in our churches, anything that we're found that is around us, and we put under these three categories, we know it is of the world and not of God. All right. So that's if you're taking notes and you want to take inventory and you know of what's going on in these lessons and how these lessons will be helping you through to, you know, not only sit and digest them, but to apply them to your life. There it is. Okay. So we've already told you again, the spiritual canon is a set of principles by which Christians are judged because the spiritual elites have told us these are the highest quality and the standards of which a Christian should live by. So we're going to move on to titles, titles. Yes, we're going to talk about titles today, but let's read our uh, base scripture for Samuel 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge over us like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and, uh, and serve other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, the elders who asked for the king. He said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for um, his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He will set some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and he will be and you will be his servants. 
and he will cry and you will cry out to the Lord in a day because your king whom you have chosen. Hold on, let me read that again. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we shall also be like all the other nations and that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men, Samuel said to the men, Every man go to his city. Bless the reading of his word. I tell y'all, every time I read that, he gives me something else. Now I got to go put something else on, write something else down. But amen. Titles. Let's talk about titles. The first thing I wrote down when I began to take notes, when God was dealing with me about titles was I wrote down title worshipers. Title worshipers. <clears throat> People using their titles as their first name because they want you to respect the position over the character that is in the position, the character, the person, the essence of the person in the position. Jesus never introduced himself as Christ Jesus. And when the Lord spoke that to me, I said, let me, let me go read it. So I went to the Matthew, I went to the Marks, I went to the Luke's, I went to the John's and I saw that when he approached people, when he did something, he didn't say, Hey, my name is Christ Jesus. In fact, he didn't even mention his name, his character, his repute, his character. I was about to say reputation. No, his character, the spirit of his character went before him. And when he looked at those two brothers that were fishing for, you know, out in the water, he turned to them and he said, Hey, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The spirit of his character spoke before him. He didn't even, they didn't even know that was Jesus. They didn't even know his name was Jesus. They just <laughs> saw this guy, saw the spirit of his character. He said, let me make you fishers of men if you follow me. And they was like, what the heck? Let's do it. Let's do it. The kings that has been erected in these churches, they want you to worship them by their title because they have this title. They have this position. Some are banking on you not to just challenge them because of their status. I've this is my status and don't challenge who I am. Others will beat you into submission with their nasty character. They will they will browbeat you to make sure that you call them by the title then their name then their last name like that title is their first name and then we even have some that will use scriptures now the brow beaters they all use scriptures as well um and the other ones that is you know bank on them bank on you not even challenging them because of the status they you they will use scriptures as well um and one of the one <laughs> that is so famously used um I would say famously used, but one that I've heard was used before was you shouldn't speak on or you can't don't say nothing or harm the pastor because it was coming out of the story of uh, David and Saul, King Saul, because 
you know, King Saul was the one that the people chose. And if you don't know, King Saul is the one that everybody wanted. He looked good. He smelled good. He, he was just like, a mm, let's just, let, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's fit to be our King. And so Samuel anointed him to be King. And he, and God told him, listen, y'all, they look at the appearance. I look at the heart and you know, he's going to, he's going to be self-serving, but the people didn't care. They was like, no, but he's going to, we're going to have a King just like all the other nations. He's going to fight for us. He's going to judge us. He's just going to be, you know, our everything when God wanted to be the everything. And so King Saul when he brought in David to play the harp, you know, cause the evil spirit would come upon him. He would throw javelins at David. He would try to murder. He was like literally hunting David to kill David because he felt like, you know, God had anointed David to be king after him. <laughs> he was trying to kill David. Like I got to get rid of this dude. So several times on his mission to kill David, David found Saul, um, sleep in a cave. He found King Saul sleep in the cave and he could have killed him easily a couple of times. But David said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. And that's first Samuel 24, right? Verse six. Now the Lord may have told David not to touch him. However, did the Lord tell him that he's, he's, that's his anointed. Uh-uh. I'm telling you, he didn't say it. I know I asked it in a question. It was a rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical question, but David just assumed that because he was King Saul, that he was God's anointed. God been removed his hand from Saul back in 1 Samuel 13. From 1 Samuel 13 until 1 Samuel 24, there, he, was, he was done. God was still with Samuel. I mean, not Samuel, Saul. Sorry. God was through with King Saul because he was disobedient. He was disobedient twice. So yes, he was still King, but no, he was not in favor with God. There are Kings in positions in churches today, right now who are not in favor with God. These Kings are doing everything for God as they tell you, or as they want to believe themselves that they are doing it for God, but they're not doing it with God. God been left them people. As I said in some other recordings, God have left some of these churches long time ago. And then, and then he told me some of them he never even visited. He's never even been to because he was never invited. God was never invited to go to these churches. And consequently, these people have blood on their hands. Like you cannot keep leading God people astray. And, and not feeding them and not doing right by them. And you think God is pleased? He said, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 2. Yeah, these people are in position. These kings are in positions at these particular institutions of of worship, supposed to be. And they're not even walking with God. Why? 
Because some of them bought their anointing. They've bought their mantles. I shouldn't say anointed. I'm going to say mantles. They've bought their mantles. They've bought their titles. Some of these kings have bought the titles. Remember the rich man that followed around the disciples in Acts? And he was, you know, so amazed at how they were healing people. Simon, I believe his name is Simon the Sorcerer. He was so amazed at how they laid hands on the people. The people received the Holy Spirit. So he said he wanted, he said, yeah, yeah, let me buy that. Let me, let me get that. So I can do what you do. And you know, everybody can be amazed at me. And Peter rebuked him. Peter rebuked him and said, see, see, that's evil. And your money going to perish with you. Some of these people actually found people that they can buy or better yet. They went on the internet and bought a title. Amen. People have done that. Okay. Um, but some of these people have really bought their titles. Because the person selling it was in so much distress or was in a particular position or, mm, <laughs> yeah, photos and, and emails and text messages and people have gotten a hold of these things. And they was like, yeah, if you don't want me to release these, I don't want your money. I want leadership because that position in your church a give me position with other people. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's one of my other points. But listen, it's real people. People don't have to use money all the time. People have used sex. People have slept their way to the top. People have manipulated their way to the top. They bought those mantles. Esau sold his birthright because he was hungry. Come on now. He was hungry and Jacob took the prime opportunity. Jacob was in a prime position because he had just made some stew and Esau was coming out of the woods from hunting and he felt like he was dying because he was so hungry. And so Jacob used that to say, sell me your birthright and he sold it to him. Okay. So not only did Jacob buy the birthright, he didn't tell his father about it. So then he turned around and stole it. He bought it from Esau, but he stole it from his daddy because his daddy thought it was Esau who was coming into him. But it was Jacob who had to put all them feathers. And stuff, I mean, the, the, uh, the hairs and stuff on him with the help of his mother. Yeah. People be accomplices in these in these buying and stealing of mantles. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. You know, his mother assisted him with, you know, putting hairs on him. And so. You know, Jacob went in there and, and, you know, pretty much fooled his father to steal the birthright. So not only did he buy it, he stole it. Turned around and stole it because had his father knew, his father would have got on him. Because the birthright was not Esau to sell. God had given him that birthright. God placed him first in the lineage of his father. So if God wanted Jacob to have it, God would have given it. He would have let Jacob be born first. No, Esau was born first. So that was Esau's birthright. Some of these people that are kings erected in these churches because they have bought and they have stolen these birthright. If God wanted them to have it, he would have anointed them to have their own. He would have anointed them to have their own little kingdom to, to, to lord over. To be good stewards over. No. But because they couldn't get it on their own. They bought it and they stole or, and or stole it. Then there are those. That it gets passed down to them. 
And they are in no way fit, no way anointed, no way appointed. Well, they are appointed by their fathers or their mothers. Look at Eli. Eli's sons was wicked. And they and he appointed them over several different provinces in, in, in the kingdom of Israel. And them people did them people did them people wrong. So much so that when he brought Samuel in to take Eli's place and Samuel was being groomed by Eli, he told Eli, he said, Look, the Lord said your sons are wicked and you don't even do nothing about it. You turn a blind eye to it. So there will not be a man in your house. And on the day that his sons was killed, Eli fell off the little stool and broke his neck. His daughter-in-law went into labor, had the son Ichabob, I think his name was, and then he died. Like no man lived because Eli had done appointed his sons into positions that they were not, that God had not intended for them to have. But then we turn around and Samuel does the same thing. Now, I don't think it says Samuel turned the blind eye to his sons, but it does say that his sons did not walk in his way and they turned aside to dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Yeah. It's just like, this is the family business. Yeah. And God is saying, no, it's not. It's, it, it's my business. It's not your family business. So it's not for you to pass down to whoever you feel like you want to pass it down to. I appoint who I want over this, this church or this particular group of people. But if you don't hear from God, then you ain't heard from God and concerning this. And you're passing down these mantles and you're giving this, you know, you bestowing people the right to sit in these uh, king positions over people because it's profitable Mm-hmm. It's profitable for the family. It's profitable for you. And it is not edifying God. Because, as I said earlier, being in the right positions in these churches will put you in the right positions outside the churches. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get all kind of opportunities because you have this position in the church and because you are positioned next to this particular person by way of maybe of birth or by way of association, because you're the top donor. Well, we don't know that, but Hey, that's what it is. Maybe you've bought your way into it. You stole your way into it. It was passed down to you because you're in this position. Now you have all these other opportunities and these other things, these other positions open to you now the bible does say that your gift will make room for you and bring you before great people proverbs 18 and 16 18 chapter 16 but once you get in front of these people whose agenda are you pushing will it be an occasion to testify what god what makes god great or will you bow down to what you, what people believe, what makes you great in your position or what makes you this wonderful person because you are positioned next to a person they believe is, you know, the best thing since a loaf of bread. What, 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 whose agenda are you pushing? Because if you did not rightly get that kingship from the Lord, then it's not yours. You're out of position. 
But then some people think or some people feel like, oh, I've suffered enough or I went through this because to put me in this particular position. So even though it was handed down to me by, you know, whatever, or y'all don't know, I bought it or I stole it. However, I got in this position, I deserve to be here based on what I went through or based on what I've suffered. Well, baby, honey, sir, ma'am, if that's the case, a lot of us deserve to be kings. A lot of us deserve to be within the court of kings. A lot of us. But I understand few are called and many are chosen. Yes. Some got sent, some got up and went. Which one are you? Which one are you? And so the first title that God wanted me to, 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 you know, delve into or to dissect a little bit was the title of Bishop. And I said, you really want to go there? Cause if you do, you know, I'm the, I'm just the one to say it then we can go there. So find, find my way, Lord. Hey, you the flashlight. I'm in the dark. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So he took me to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. If those of you have been around the church long enough, you know this conversation is a heated one. All right. So for Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ, from which the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right. So usually at the top of the, uh, the the podcast, I give you some words and I give you some definition, but I've gave you that because we're in, we're still in titles and stature positions in the church. But this is something that needed to be by, you know, within the, in the teaching, in the lesson. It's called the apostolic secession. The apostolic secession is the teaching that bishops represent a direct, uninterrupted line of continuity from the first apostles of Jesus Christ. Simply put, Jesus commissioned the apostles, the apostles in turn consecrated bishops to assist them. Now I've read through Acts and I wondered, you know, how the timing and, and the, the order of God. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's why you had me to go through Acts like that. Because nowhere in Acts, did you hear about the apostles anointing people as bishops? But that's what the apostolic secession says. 
Now, in Roman Catholicism, the doctrine of apostolic secession is upheld by the Petrian theory. And this theory claims that Jesus designated St. Peter, the apostle, to be his representative on earth. And then Peter then passed on his ministry to the bishops of Rome. Now, they support this theory by saying that Peter received his authority when Jesus called him the rock from which he will build his church. So they have their own little Petrian theory to try to uphold the fact that bishops are the direct uninterrupted lineage of, you know, spiritual lineage of apostles. Right. So then there are other number of denominations, higher faith. And it was a lot of them that I really couldn't, you know, write them all down who believed in the apostolic secession is a lot of more denominations that really believe this. And so they make people bishops. Right. However, there are just as more who argue that the New Testament gives no clear direction concerning the ministry and that the apostolic secession cannot be established historically. They say that a true secession is spiritual and doctrinal, not uh, ritualistic. So they're saying that the rituals, that apostolic secession is like a ritualistic thing that goes on in these other churches. Like y'all are erecting rituals that the New Testament never. And we, we went through Acts. And if you didn't go through Acts with us, hey, the book of Acts is also available on the podcast. We did not see or we did not hear them directly anoint bishops or call people bishops, right? We didn't see that. We didn't hear that. Go read the Acts. You won't see it. You won't hear it. Now, what they did do was appoint deacons. That's what they did. Because remember back at, um, back in Acts, I forget which chapter, they came and they was mad. They were upset that the widows was not being taken care of when everybody pulled their things together. When everyone pulled their things together, they said, okay, out these, this particular group was like our women and our widows are not being taken care of. And so the apostle was like, it's not fit for us to leave the work of the Lord, to leave the preaching, to leave the delivering and, you know, saving of souls, delivering of spirits to go wait tables. So y'all pick y'all seven you know, men of honest reports who they anointed as deacons to do the administration of the church. So then the position of Bishop, according to first Timothy three is in accordance with a deacon. All right. I'm going to break it down for you. First Timothy three. It says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop first off that should give it away to you that should give it away because over here it says and he gave himself some apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping this one says he that desire this is the new king james so it says position in the old king james it says the office of a bishop he desires a good work a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife temperate sober-minded of good behavior hospitable able to teach not given to wine not violent not greedy for money not but gentle not quarrelsome not covetous not covetous one who rules his own house well having his children in submission with all reverence 
For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the house, the church of God administration? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into to the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be relevant, not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mysteries of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons and being found blameless. Mm. And then he goes in likewise, their, uh, their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperament, faithful in all these things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. There it is again. That's the same thing up there to a bishop. For those who have served well as deacon obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith in which Jesus Christ. Is which is in Jesus Christ. So let me put on my English teacher hat hat on. Starting with verse eight. Verse eight uses the word likewise. This means that there are two are being compared using the el the literary element of a simile. You remember assembly back in school It's comparing two things using the word like and as or as as not the not the you know the rear end. All right. The word likewise means similar. It means in the same manner. Yes. And if you see. Most of the things that they compare, they read about in the bishop must be the husband of one wife. So a deacon must be the husband of one wife. That's one of the characteristics. That is that, that is that both of them must be hospitable. Most of them, both of them must be, uh, blameless. Like you cannot be of, you know, both of them can't be greedy for money. That talks to me. That sounds like the administration part. <clears throat> Hello. That sounds like the administration part. I am not crazy. I'm not crazy. I got my teacher hat on now. My English teacher hat on. Sorry for all the noise. I'm grabbing my, my water here. I got my English teacher hat on. I know what like my likewise mean. I know what this mean. Now. If the Bible uses the word likewise, and this is true, then wouldn't bishops be designated the overseers of the administration, the business of the church, but not dispensing of the word? Because it's clear in the scriptures that the only other position that a bishop is compared to is that of a deacon. Is that of the deacon. They are to handle the administration of the church. So that means the bishop should be like the supervisor over the deacons. Mm -hmm. They should not be over the people who does the word dispute distribution. They should be over the money distribution, the administration. They're not to be over the people who handles the word because the fivefold ministry, he said he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
Let's be clear. God did not put in a hierarchy in order as the pastor is above the prophet and the prophet is above the apostles. No, he didn't do it like that. He deals with each one of them differently. We'll get into that in the next episode. I guess it's going to be a part four. See, I told you, we'll see how many parts it's going to be. He deals with them differently. He doesn't put one over the other. Because as it says, they all work together. They work together for the edifying and the equipping of, for the edifying God and equipping of us for our unity of faith and for the knowledge, like to bring us in a perfect way. Like we work together. You know, I'm no, I'm no more better than no somebody else. I just get dealt with better. I just get, I mean, not better. I just get dealt with in a different way. I get dealt with in a different way than an evangelist because an evangelist is out in the field. They're out evangelizing. Again, we'll get into all the different parts. So why on earth did people put bishops over the word of the church instead of the administration of the church? Why do we get that confused? What is so confusing about that? The Bible is clear. It compares it to a deacon. So therefore... They should be the supervisors of the money, supervisor of the paperwork, supervisors of the administration of the church, not the church itself, not the word distribution. Here is the problem with the apostolic apostolic secession. It places more emphasis on the apostles than it does Jesus. Duh is called the apostolic secession. It's not called the Jesus secession. This is once again showing how man would rather have a king in place before God. Once again, y'all, we are putting kings in front of God, in front of Jesus. We're saying, oh, the apostles anointing of bishops is more important than what Jesus did to call the apostles. We are direct lineage. Well, so am I. <laughs> so are you who receive the word of God and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God. We are now co-heirs, joint heirs with him. So the word tells us. So these title worshipers are you know wanting to ascend to the office of a bishop for what for what cuz let's be honest somebody else is over there attending to the you know i i don't even think the deacons are really attending to their their deaconship now because they so much want to be pastors they want to get in the pulpit from big, medium to the to the small churches, who is really handling the the administration at the church? I want to say a bunch of women who don't who does not even have a title. Some people call them church administrators, okay? Or an, basically, you're administrative assistant to the pastor. You just want to be church. Yeah, I'm a church administrator. Yeah, you the pastor's secretary. 
But you also, but they also are the first people you see when you go in to ask for help or when you go in to make an appointment, when you go in to want to know everything about the church, they direct you to that person. That person's supposed to be the bishop, according to what I just read, because he's the overseer of the administration of the church. He's not supposed to be sitting in that pulpit with decked out in them robes and them dang on crowns like it's like it's uh, again, ritualistic things. Again, Jesus did not leave a hierarchy of leadership. He left the Holy Spirit. John 16 and 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for me to that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He will send us the Holy Spirit. He will send us the way. The truth and the light in which he already walked in because he is the way, the truth and the light. So he was sent us that comforter, that the Holy Spirit. But if we need help edifying the body of Christ and for the equipping of the saints, I'll give you some apostles. I'll give you some prophets. I'll give you some evangelists. I'll give you some pastors and I'll give you some teachers. I'll give you those things. If you can't if you can't divide rightly divide this word of faith, this word of truth by yourself, I will give you some apostles, I'll give you some prophets, I'll give you some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That's what I'll, I'll give you. He, Jesus himself gave. We ourselves appointed to the office, to the position to the title you ask most prophets apostles evangelists pastors and teachers did they want to do the work that god told them to do and a good portion of them will say no they had other things that they wanted to do but because being in the king being a king having a kingdom and having a court it's so important to man to be like everybody else. They've appointed all these titles. They've put all these positions. They put all these things in place so they can be worshipped. So they can feel like they are, they've accomplished something. Listen, I wish. I'm not going to say that. He rebuked me the last time I said that. The Lord rebuked me the last time I said this. I tell people, I used to tell people, if you wanted my anointing, I would give it to you. You ain't got to pay me for it. Because the stuff that I go through, the stuff that God, I, I have to go through just in order to be that, that living epistle. One thing God told me one day was, you know, the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice. <laughs> the living one can get up and walk away. When you are alive and God is asking you to lay down on some fire, you don't have to free will. But when you are dead, you'll have a memorial. Say there lies that person. It's a headstone. There lies that person. But when you are a living sacrifice, when you have to lay down so others can stand on you. That's 
that right there. If you ask many of us that are prophets, that you ask many of us that are apostles, those that are evangelists, the guy that I met long time ago, I forget what church in Jacksonville, the one guy that carried the cross across his back to many countries. He literally carries that cross with him. He goes everywhere with it and his testimony is powerful, but that cost him something that cost him uncomfortability in the fact that he doesn't have a home what probably does now I don't know if I have to look him up hopefully he hasn't passed away um but shout out to him because I met him at that when he testified and he gave his testimony that's not something he set out to do that's not something he set out to do this right here is not something I set out to do and if I put some some people on here that can testify to you I ran from this for so long, for so long, but some things begin to happen in my life and, and begin to propel me and begin to box me out and will box me into this, that I had to answer this call to start telling people to get it together, clean the house up because fa the father is returning again, anything that you can say. I mean, anything that you can write down up under the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, that is not of God. That is not of God. That is of the world. He is calling us to get this together. Again, the argument is not even an argument. But because some people love the fact that they have this title and they want you to call them by this title that they don't even they don't even want you to call them by their first name because it's disrespectful. Little story before I close my aunt. <laughs> I love you, auntie. My aunt can't stand that I call her by her first name. You know what she say? You need to put a handle on it. And I say, auntie, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm not. She wants me to call her aunt and whatever her first name is. I'm not going to say it. And I just say her first name and she be like, that sounds so disrespectful. <laughs> That's so disrespectful. It's not. What is disrespectful if I call you something that wasn't on your birth certificate? What is disrespectful if I use your name in vain? What is just like the Lord? What is disrespectful? Is I treat you as if you were not my elder. That is disrespectful. Because if you were my elder and you was teaching me something and you were giving me something and you was sitting, you were in right position as my elder. I will give you all the respect. You get all the respect. Because to be honest, the Bible only tells me to, um, uh, Honor my mother and father that my days may be long on the earth, right? The first commandment with promise. And it also says, serve and submit yourself unto your, your masters. You know, knowing that they watch over you and they, you know, all that stuff. My auntie's not my master. She's not my mother and my father. So technically, I don't have to honor her. But come on now, we all know. That's your family, that's your elder. So you respect her as an elder. That doesn't mean I have to call her auntie so-and-so. 
that's her position in my life. That's not who she is. Mm. <laughs> that's her position in my life. That's not who she is. Right? Because she's also, her position also is a mother. Her position also is a wife. She's so many different things as herself. The title auntie is not say there there it's not done. Well, the title auntie is there because they feel like older the older generation feel like that's a sign of respect. By calling somebody by what they are, you know, what their position is. That's not really a sign of respect. Sign of respect is me respecting you the person. The person, you as me as Tangela, Tangela, the person, not Tangela, the prophet, not Tangela, the teacher, Tangela, the person, because Tangela, the person has to stand before God and give an account for what I did with the mantle of a prophet and of a teacher. <laughs> Come on now, we got to get this together. He that has an ear, let him hear. We want to thank you again for tuning into the Teaching Prophet Podcast, where our goal is to add to your faith knowledge. Knowledge that will help you experience the fullness of God so that you can walk in complete understanding of what he has for you. Please feel free to subscribe, share, like, and or leave a comment about today's lesson. Also, you can support the teachings monetarily through our cash app at Tangela LLC. Our Zelle, which is our email address, LLC at gmail.com. Or click the support link or button on whichever platform from which you're listening. Until next time, God bless.